2: My name is Andrew Freeman, and while my co-host today, uh, say Kosh, was not able to make it uh, for today's episode, uh, we have some excitement here at the Picks for Pools podcast as we, we were able to get another uh, 2022 NFL Draft Prospect interview with J.D. Woods running back out of Baker University. You say was able to sit down with him earlier in the week uh, to sit down and talk about him and his journey to the NFL. So that'll be a focus for today's episode. Um, with you saying going over that interview with J.D. Woods. Now, as for me today, um, as we sit here, I'm recording this episode on March 31st. We are a month out from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft, or a little bit under a month out by the time this uh, podcast gets out. Uh, So, I mean, we are getting down to the wire here with the NFL Draft. It's a very exciting time as teams are starting to transition away from free agency and get to uh, this draft class here and really start to hone in on uh, their strategies and their scouting reports on who they want to draft in the upcoming month or so. Uh, Very exciting time there. And for us here at Pittsburgh Polls, it's also an exciting time because we'll be just continuing on our prospect positional preview series that we've been going on uh, over our last couple of episodes. We start off with the offensive line. Uh, And then last week, we did our wide receivers. Now, uh, we did wide receivers a little bit different than last week. We did, instead of our top five wide receivers, we did top 10 because this is such a deep group of wideouts that we wanted to make sure we got as many names to mention as possible. And with wide receiver being such an important position, I think, for the Bears, especially early on in this draft where uh, they're probably going to address this position, if not once, at least twice, maybe. On day two of the drafts, since they have two second-round picks and a third-round pick, uh, we wanted to make sure we mentioned some of those guys in the second-round conversation that could be available to the Bears there. But what that did for us is that it left out, unfortunately, our sleepers, our overhyped prospects. And while we talked about it a little bit, uh, our general draft strategy for addressing the wide receiver position for the Bears in this upcoming 2022 NFL draft so that's what I'm going to be going over today before we get into our interview with JD Woods that you say I was able to do um, and let's just get into it right here by going over my personal sleepers for this wide receiver class in the 2022 NFL draft so when I look at some of the guys in the later rounds of this draft class and you know day three or in the fourth fifth round some guys that I considered there uh, a couple of names that come out to me that really strike me here Uh, The first one I'll mention is Danny Gray out of SMU. Uh, Now, Danny Gray is an interesting player. He's kind of an undersized wide receiver um, who, you know, has had a productive career at SMU, but is not getting a ton of, you know, recognition really? Not a lot of buzz going Danny Gray's way, even though I think this is a player that should be getting a ton of attention as a day three flyer, because, you know, we talk about, you know, what traits you want to have in wide receivers on these later rounds. And I think the big one has to be speed. Uh, if you're going to be selecting a wide receiver later on in the draft, because, you know, what a lot of these guys, you know, don't have all the tool bags uh, available to them as prospects, you know, in terms of size, wingspan, um, maybe they're a little bit behind developmentally uh, as route runners. Maybe they don't have uh, that comp, that, you know experience against higher competition in the SEC, like some of these other top guys do, but they have one or two traits that could translate well. And one of those is speed and agility. And I think when you look at Danny Gray here, that is something that he brings to the table here. He is a very athletic player um, at the wide receiver position. He's about six feet tall, 186 pounds. So he's a little bit undersized on the slender side in terms of his frame, but he ran a 4.33 40 yard dash um, at the NFL scouting combine. Um, just blazing speed when he gets to that, when he gets to top speed. Um, again, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but uh, you know he has that ability and the explosiveness to be a true deep threat at the next level. And really, with his agility as well, I think he's got pretty good agility. When I watch him play, uh, he's got ability to make plays at all three levels. With um, you know his ability to get yards after the catch, with using his quickness, um, that ability out of his stance. You know, when he's running routes, uh, that deep speed, of course, when he gets to top speed to beat defenses over the top. And then um, also in the intermediate part of the field, the ability to separate a little bit uh, with his quickness and agility. Um, I, I, I think there is a lot to like in Danny Gray. I, I think he's going to be a player in this league. And I would, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Bears see him as an option, because again, what is the play style that best fits Justin Fields here moving forward? What type of wide receiver is a good fit for his skill set and that's in my opinion it's getting a wide receiver that can take the top off of defenses and exploit defenses with his speed and i think luke gets in his offense he wants to emphasize a passing game that stretches defenses not only vertically but horizontally as well with crossing routes deep digs um shallow crosses all that stuff danny gray is the perfect wide receiver to kind of bring into that because he has the ability to stretch you vertically with his deep speed and he can also pick up yards after the catch with his athleticism um, as a runner as well in space. So I I like Danny Gray a lot. I think he's gonna be a really good player in this league. And I'm really excited to see where he goes. He's one of my primary day three targets. I have him as as a late fourth round uh, type of player right now. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if he drops a little bit lower. Also wouldn't surprise me if he goes a little bit earlier in the early fourth round. You know, right now he's projected to be a fifth to sixth round pick in a lot of mock draft simulations that I'm seeing. Again, personally, I think he's a fourth round guy and that's where I take him. If the Bears are able to trade back and get a fourth-round pick, I I wouldn't mind uh, having Danny Gray as an option there in the fourth round. Another wide receiver who's kind of that, fits that mold as a speedy, explosive wide receiver who's kind of undersized is Calvin Austin out of Memphis. Now, he's not a sleeper in the sense that he's going to be a day-three pick because I think he's going to go much earlier than that, but Austin is such an intriguing player from an athletic standpoint. This guy is an elite athlete. At the position of wide receiver even though he is uh we talk about danny gray being undersized calvin austin is really undersized and i think that's gonna maybe cause him to drop uh on draft boards for a lot of teams because players of his size don't typically work out very often you're talking about a guy who's five foot eight 170 pounds has kind of a skinnier frame um only 30 inch arms so the length isn't really there at all um if you look at him just coming off the bus and you might not think this guy's gonna be able to play and stick at the nfl level but you know you look what he did at the nfl combine for instance he ran a 4.32 four-yard dash 39 inch vertical jump uh 6.6 second uh three cone drill and then a four second 20 yard shuttle so this guy has elite athleticism in terms of long speed in terms of short area quickness and it translates to the NFL field. It's not just a uh, workout warrior type of situation where he tests well, but you know it doesn't really, uh, you know, take form on the NFL football field when the pads come on. No, it it, it shows up when he puts the pads on. Um, you see it in his route running. He has the ability to create separation underneath on those uh, routes coming out of the slot when he does get room uh, at the line of scrimmage. Now he does struggle with physicality uh, at the line of scrimmage, but when he has the opportunity to, you know. Uh, get off coverage, he he, he absolutely does demolishes uh, off coverage because he's so quick, he's so sudden in his movements, and his speed allows him to run away from defensive backs once he does get that uh, that separation in his routes. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot to like about uh, Calvin Austin. He reminds me a lot, uh, quite frankly, of Ja'Kin Grant, um, actually, who... Bears fans know uh, was a bit of a playmaker for them this past year they traded a future sixth round pick for them uh, in the middle of the season kind of that punt returner kickoff returner guy um, gadget player on the offense who can play in the slot a little bit that's where I think Calvin Austin is going to fit but he is such an elite athlete that I think he brings even more to the table than the Jakeem Grant because he just has that explosive playmaking ability to get huge chunks of yards whether he's used As a gadget player out of the backfield, whether he's getting the ball on screens, uh, whether he's in the slot and he's you know taking short, shallow crosses or slants, and has to pick up yards after the catch, there's a lot you can do with a guy like Calvin Austin. And the fact that he can also bring something to the table as a returner as well, uh, I think that brings another dimension to the table of what he offers as a prospect here. So, um, Calvin Austin, you look at his profile. I mean, he absolutely dominated the Senior Bowl. Uh, He was a very good player for them he's a very good punt returner um again he had and he has production to back that up as well he had back-to-back with thousand yard seasons in college um and I, I don't think it's just a case where he's just a great athlete who just happens to be undersized and you know won't be able to work it's not a uh tutu atwell situation for me where you know tutu atwell last year prospect out of louisville again another guy who was very small uh didn't really fit the prototypical mold of a wide receiver at the nfl level but didn't test nearly as well as Calvin Austin did. And Tutu Atwell went in the second round. So Austin, I think he's a better prospect than Atwell. I think he offers more to the table uh, right away on day one. I think he's going to treat right away as a returner and as a gadget player. And if he can develop his route running even more and maybe bulk up a little bit, he can have a long role in the NFL as a slot weapon for you on offense just because that athletic ability is, is really hard to find and a player, you look at his physical profile outside of the size, he, he actually profiles quite closely to a Tyree kill in terms of having that combination of speed and athleticism. I know he's not nearly uh, the same guy as Tyree kill. Obviously Tyree kill is an outlier, but you know, Ryan Poles was the GM, uh, well not the GM, but he was in the front office in Kansas city when they brought in Tyree kill and was in Kansas city, all those years with, you know, Tyree Kill dominating games with his explosive ability Um, both as a deep threat and after the catch. I think he could see something similar in Austin, maybe not to that degree, but I think he could see that in the third round, maybe um, being a guy that could really, really be a stud for this team um, as an explosive wideout, really for any team, because his skill set is just very unique and you can use him in a variety of of different ways. Again, I I consider putting him in my top 10 because I think he was, you know, even though with the lack of size, that explosive playmaking ability is that special that I, I think there is just, He's a guy that I'm willing to look over the size deficiencies and, you know, try to bring that playmaking explosive ability uh, for my football team there. So I have a third round grade on Calvin Austin. Um, I I think he's going to go in that area of the draft. Personally, he might slip to the fourth round uh, just because teams may be a little bit worried with his size and how he's going to hold up with his durability at the next level. But I wouldn't worry too much. I think he's got special playmaker written all over him. And I would definitely take a chance on him in the third round um, if he's available to the Bears at 71.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: And then my last sleeper here is a little bit on the opposite end of this. Uh, it's Eric Azucama out of Texas, Texas tech. Um, very interesting player. Uh, Azukama, he's not your traditional uh, wide receiver in the sense that he's not. Uh, he's not very polished in terms of his route running, his ability to separate, not that type of player whatsoever. He is that guy um, who, you know, he's got very good ability after the catching look at his size profile uh, this guy is a very big wide receiver, so I compared. So he's he's basically the, exa- the exact opposite of a Danny Gray or a Calvin Austin, awesome, who are undersized, quick, speedy guys on the at the wide receiver position. kamna uh, is a big dude at the, at their position, uh, six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds, thirty three inch arms. Uh, he just has he he impresses you right away with his size, and he's got pretty good speed and explosiveness. Uh, for that size as well he had a 36 inch vertical at the nfl scouting combine um you know i think he has pretty good agility for a guy at his size pretty good speed at his size i don't think he ran at the 40 uh the 40 yard dash at the combine but i'd imagine i probably had him in the high 4.4 to low 4.5 range as uh, where i saw him on tape but i could be wrong on that obviously you never know when the pads come off and you actually have to go you know, you know i thought trailing Burst would run a lot faster than he did at the combine and he didn't so you know, you never know with that type of stuff, but as a comma, I think when you look at him again, not a polished route runner, uh, doesn't bring a lot to the table as a traditional wide receiver early on, but some of the things that he can do well, uh, scheming him open on screens. Uh, he is a very physical player after the catch. That is his, that is his calling card uh, getting the ball underneath after the catch um, as a gadget player. And then he can use his size and athleticism to just uh, bludgeon defensive backs. Um, after the catch, using his size and physicality and speed and quickness, which is surprising given his size um, to run by people and get yards after the catch. You know, that is his best trait as a player, in my opinion. Um, he does have some ability as an outside receiver to win jump ball opportunities, um, you know, whether it's in the red zone, whether it's on vertical routes, he does have a very nice catch radius to make that happen. Again, he's just not a guy that gets a ton of separation though. So if you're looking for someone to come in and contribute right away as a full-on you know, number two or number three wide receiver on the outside, that's not his game. I don't think he translates well to the slot either. Um, I think purely he's more of that just freaky playmaker that you try to use in a variety of different ways. And then occasionally um, he can run in the out- he can run a go out on the outside and catch a jump ball or a back shoulder fade uh, from a quarterback who's got a nice connection with him and you know, try to get that going on that aspect of things until he can develop that route running ability and learn how to separate and how to run routes properly at the NFL level. So as a comma, I think he's a guy who's probably gonna go on day three. I haven't seen a ton of buzz uh, early on in the draft process. I saw some buzz of him being a late third round to early fourth round guy. Uh, I haven't seen anything like that in recent uh, months. I, I think he's probably gonna be a fourth or fifth round pick at this point is what it comes down to it. Um, I personally have a fourth round grade on him. I think he's got some talent um, there. and I think he's going to go a little bit lower than that grade because um, just the, you know, he hasn't run a four-year dash yet, uh, at least uh, from what I've seen, um, you know, teams are, may not be interested in him because of the fact that he isn't probably a traditional wide receiver right away. You don't really know how to use him at the NFL level. It's going to have to take a creative offensive mind to get the most out of him. In my opinion, but I like the playmaking ability. I like the yards after catch after the catch ability, and he's just going to have to go to the right spot, I think, in order to maximize his potential as a playmaker at the next level. So those are some of my natural sleepers in this class at the wide receiver position. Let's get into some of the guys that I'm not as high on. That uh, I'm a little bit lower on than the consensus. And I'll start off with somebody who um, has been a bit of a, a popular case of guys um, who um, a, a popular player on bears twitter for a lot of bears fans because he plays in the big 10 and you know there are some i know there are some prominent Bears twitter uh guys who really like his game um and i don't want to discourage their scouting ability but this is just my take on it but david bell out of purdue i am not nearly as high on david bell as the consensus is i know he was considered like a late day two or not late day two a late second round early third round player um before the nfl scouting combine unfortunately we have to talk about the nfl scouting combine and his subsequent pro day where you know my concern with david bell when i watched him play was that he just did not seem very sudden or fast to me you know he's a good route runner he under he clearly understands how to play the position of wide receiver i don't think he's going to be someone who's going to be out of the league in three years it's just a matter of i don't know what his upside is i don't know um you know, whether he's going to be able to make a true impact of the next level. He strikes me as somebody who um, is going to be in the league for six, seven years and, you know, have a role as a third or fourth wide receiver, but just never really truly make an impact. Now, if I'm taking a wide receiver on day two, which is where a lot of people are projecting him, I want someone who has the ability to make an impact, but also that upside to maybe be something more as a player, you know, have some type of athletic trait, um, to justify that selection there, where I think he could develop into something um, special, not special, but just something where he can make a true impact for my offense. That's not David Bell. I think he's a complimentary piece on a um, decent offense um, as a big slot guy, because I mean, look at his athletic profile. There is just not a lot to like here. You know, he had a really bad 40 time at the, four, at the uh, scouting combine, ran a four, six, five, 40 uh, yard dash there. And he followed that up at his pro day. He didn't do any better. He ran a 4 at his pro day um, in Purdue. And the funny thing is, like his teammate, George Karlaftis, edge rusher, who we're going to be getting to when we get to our uh, edge rushers in this class. Um, Karlaftis, um, you know, he's not considered an elite athlete for the edge position, but I he's mean, still a good athlete, obviously, uh, as a first-round talent. And we'll get there when we get to our edge, edge guys. But Karlaftis... Uh, nearly outran David Bell at their pro day running a 477 40 yard dash um, outside. I don't know if David Bell ran his outside too, but just the lack of speed is concerning. And then you, know, you, you combine that with the other traits that he has, the lack of explosiveness, only a 33 uh, vertical jump um, there. You know His three cone and four, and four 20 yard shuttle were very uh, subpar. Uh, I, I don't think he tested better than a 20th percentile in any athletic trait um, for the athletic testing that we use for um, projecting these guys. You know, we look at his relative athletic score. I think he was below a three Um, you know, just not, his athletic profile is really worrisome um, going into league. I know his production translate, he may translate well to the NFL based off of his production. Um, I know that's something that a lot of other guys have brought up to me is that, you know, guys that have produced like him, where he basically had, three straight 1,000-yard seasons at the college level, uh, those guys typically translate well to the NFL and are going to be players in the NFL because you know he produced early on. He was consistent. Um, he didn't do it in an explosive offense necessarily at Purdue. He didn't do it with the greatest quarterback play at Purdue. So there's something there. And there is something to watching him play. Um, you know He does um, play a little bit better than his testing may suggest. Um, I'm not suggesting that he's a bad football player, um, but for me personally, I have him graded as a fourth-round talent, uh, as a fifth-round talent. I, I just – I don't think um, he's going to be as impactful as a lot of Bears fans or a lot of uh, scout nicks uh, on draft Twitter think he is going to be. Um, I, I think – I wouldn't say he reminds me of Riley Ridley, but there are some Riley Ridley vibes that I get from David Bell where Riley Ridley did not test well at all um, out of, coming out of Georgia – but what was what was the uh, consensus on him as a prospect? What was the um, general feeling on him? Was that he was a polished route runner, um, good hands, um, experienced player. You know, didn't play the most productive passing offense at Georgia, but you know was generally seen as the number one guy there at Georgia when he played there. Um, contributed all uh, pretty much every year that he was there, um, and just a very polished player coming out. He dropped all the way to day three to the Bears. A lot of Bears fans thought they had a steal in Riley Ridley because of that profile where he was, you know, good, polished route runner, um, you know, not a great athlete, but should be able to contribute because he does have, you know, that uh, skill set as a player to you know, hopefully he can separate and be technically sound and be able to contribute in that form of matter. Um, didn't happen with Riley Ridley. Never happened because he just did not have that next level juice to, uh, really translate to the professional level and i fear the same thing with david bell here where it's just not going to translate now i've seen a lot of comparisons for him to alan robinson he's made that comparison himself his agent has made that comparison they say they share the same agent i think um david bell and Allen robinson you know they try to pump up that uh comparison because both guys you know bigger wide receivers um coming out of college neither were considered, you know, great athletes. Neither had great speed coming out of college, um, and obviously both have, you know, very technically polished games as route runners. Um, can play at the physical, at the catch point, all that stuff. You know, coming in as a polished product right away um, into the NFL. But personally, I don't see that comparison with Alan Robinson because one, from an athletic profile uh, standpoint, Alan Robinson was a little bit bigger than David Bell. He had elite size uh, for the wide receiver position coming out of Penn State, and he combined that with elite explosiveness and above average agility. Whereas David Bell, he's got good size, not quite elite, and he's got bad explosiveness, bad agility, and bad speed. I get it. They both ran pretty similar 40-yard dash times, but still, Alan Robinson was way quicker, more agile coming out of college, and definitely more explosive coming out of college. So I just, I don't oh, see the comparison oh. there. My comparison for a guy like David Bell is closer to a guy like uh, Zach Pascal, who played for the Indianapolis Colts for a um, couple years. He's now with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and you know you look at uh, Zach Pascal's game again not a great athlete um, but what was his contribution you know he was a very good third or fourth option at wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts can come in and contribute as a big slot guy play a little bit outside when needed but his main role was kind of as that you know nice technician under the middle of the field uh, be a possession guy in the short to intermediate part of the field Uh, block his ass off in the run game and on wide receiver screens that's where i think david bell's best role is going to be at the nfl i think he can stick around for a long time again i I just don't see him as someone who's going to make a huge impact as a next level as a number two or even as a high-end number three wide receiver I, i just don't see that personally all right moving on to my uh final uh Prospect to talk about here today before we get to our interview with JD Woods. Uh, my last overhyped prospect I'm going want to I want I want to touch on today is Justin Ross out of Clemson. So Justin Ross, he's been a player that um, has gotten a ton of attention, you know, for a long time at, at Clemson. Obviously, was a, a big time weapon for Trevor Lawrence when Trevor Lawrence was at Clemson. Those two had a nice connection together uh, when Justin Ross was healthy. And that's kind of the thing with Ross is he's just Health has been a huge issue for him uh, throughout his career at Clemson. I mean, he showed that he can be a good player in 2018 and 2019. Um, but, you know, he missed all of 2020 with a spinal surgery, which, you know, kind of a scary injury that he had that forced him to miss that entire year. And then he came back in 2021. And well, I don't think he was bad by any means, uh, and certainly not playing with Trevor Lawrence in that. Clemson offense where uh, the Clemson office just was, was not good uh, whatsoever. You know, he did not look the same um, in my opinion, and he was never the greatest athlete anyway. Uh, but the fact that, you know, he, he just, uh, he came back did not look the same. Uh, it, it didn't bode well um, for him um, coming back like that. And, you know, what are some of the things I liked about Ross? You know, he is a polished player in terms of, um running the entire route tree. He ran the entire route tree at Clemson. I know they run a kind of a simplistic offense, um, but you know he, he runs pretty good routes for a guy of his size. You know He's about six foot four, 205. So he's got really nice size for the position. Um, he definitely has that ability. If you're looking for a, a jump ball guy, just a guy who's going to go up and get it, that's his skill set. He's a nice um, possession wide receiver. I think in the middle of the field, You know, playing outside or playing in the slot, um, it's kind of that bigger slot. Uh, to where there's not a ton of explosiveness to his game. Uh, but, you know, he, he moves very smooth when, when healthy. Um, he has the ability to, you know, have that big catch rate, is go up and get it, uh, making tested catches over the middle of the field, uh, make adjustments on back shoulder throws. That's what he was really good at with Trevor Lawrence. Um, but, you know, I, I just – the lack of explosive athleticism really hurts him here. I got another guy who ran in the four sixes in the 40-yard dash didn't actually didn't necessarily impress in terms of his explosive grades or his agility grades um so it's just you know it's it's tough with justin ross because um you know you look at his film before 2020 it's pretty good you're probably looking at a day two uh prospect there uh before that right now though i'd say he's probably a day three guy for me as well early day three to late day two Um, I have seen some mocks where he's going in the second round. I don't think he's a second round talent personally. Um, there's just, again, I think he's polished. I think, um, you know, he's got some nice ability. I think he's, he's not going to be a bust by any means in terms of like not making it in the NFL. Um, it's not a Nikhil Harris situation where he can't separate, but, um, you know, he just doesn't have the ability to, you know, stack guys to the next level. He doesn't have the ability to get by guys Um, running vertical routes. Um, And again, he's separate. It's not Nikhil Harry where he doesn't separate, but he doesn't separate very well either. He's not a great separator um, necessarily. And when you don't have those elite physical traits and you have that injury history um, because remember he had surgery for a stress fact fracture um, in November of 2021 late this season. So the injuries have kind of stacked up on him a little bit over the past couple of years. I'm just not sure. um, I'm just not sure if I'm willing to make that bet. And you know, if if it was one thing where you know he was kind of like a Drake London, where he could just outmuscle people, and he showed that ability to just uh, beat people up um, when facing press, maybe I could buy into a little bit more. But you know, Justin Ross, he's not the strongest player in the world. He doesn't play well against press. He doesn't. um, You know, he he doesn't uh, really win contested catch in terms of physical, with physicality. It's more so with uh, his catch radius, his ability to jump over guys and and use his length to get, you know, improve his catch radius there and make things a little, make it a little bit of a throw, bigger throwing window for his quarterbacks. Um, but again, he's not a guy who's going to beat wide receiver uh, quarterbacks with physicality. He's not a great separator. He's not very explosive to beat guys over the top. Um, I, I think there's a place for him in the league, again, similar to David Bell as that third wide receiver who can come in and um, contribute, but you know, I, I just I personally don't see it with Justin Ross. I, I think, um, you know, there is a polish element to his game. I think, in the right cir- circumstance, maybe if you were to go to Jacksonville and we would have Trevor Lawrence where he already has that connection with him, maybe that could work out for him in the end. But, um, it's going to take uh, there's a bit of a curve here for him to overcome. And again, the injuries kind of concern me a bit, um, with when it comes to his long term outlook going forward here uh, in the NFL. All right, well. That wraps up, I think, the wide receiver discussion here for us at the Picks Polls podcast. Um, Again, so if you want to check out the rest of our wide receiver conversation, go back and check out our latest episode um, where we talked about wide receivers, our top 10 wide receivers. You said and I uh, both going over some of the top guys in this class, you know, some wide receivers that will be available, I think, for the Bears in the second round at picks 39 and 48. You know, it certainly should be very interesting to see what the Bears do at the wide receiver position. You know, I I think we talked about it last week a little bit, but, you know, they're in a spot where I think the Bears really need to be aggressive at addressing wide receiver, uh, not only in the second round and the third round, but also on day three. I think if they can find a way to trade back and get some additional draft capital on day three, they should definitely look to take a swing on day three as well Um, and look for guys that can fit this scheme in terms of guys that have some speeds and explosiveness, some big playability, because, you know, not only does that fit Justin Fields' skill set, but, You know, explosive plays are so important to the outcome of offenses and to the outcome of winning games. You know, I I would look for the Bears to try and emphasize that type of athletic profile when it comes to the position uh, going into the 2022 NFL Draft. But, you know, Ryan Poles and Luke Gessie, they may feel differently. Uh, They may have a different emphasis on what they're looking for at wide receiver. It's going to be fun to see what they come up with here as we get closer and closer to the 2022 NFL Draft. So, without further ado, let's get to the end of this episode here by going to uh, USAID's interview with JD Woods out of Baker University. Uh, so let's just dig right into that here. Uh, here is Picture Poll's latest prospect interview with JD Woods, running back at Baker University.
4: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.
1: Joining us now, guys, on the Bay Report podcast as well as the Pixar Polls podcast, we have Baker University's very own JD Woods in the house. He's a running back. JD, thanks so much for being on here. Thanks so much for taking the time out to sit
3: down with us. But how you doing, man?
5: Thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you guys for having me.
3: Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for joining us. Um, very interested to talk to you about some stuff. So, yeah, you <laughs> say if you want to get going, man.
5: Let's do it.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I got to ask you and start, let's start with your college career because you started out at Missouri Western state and then you moved over to Baker university. But what do you think made Baker university a great fit? And just take us through your playing time there.
5: Um, For me. So originally I did not want to go to Baker. I was like, I was like, Baldwin city, Kansas. You guys don't know where that is. A lot of people don't, but Baldwin is like 20 minutes, um, I would say, south of Lawrence. And probably, yeah, south of Lawrence. And now I'm from Lawrence. I'm from Mississippi, but my family lives in Lawrence. So I was like, man, this town has one stoplight, no McDonald's. Like McDonald's was my thing then. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And my coach, my head coach, and um, my offensive coordinator at the time, Jake Morris, they really convinced me and sold me on, you know, if you go to another school at a D2 level, you're going to have to sit out again. And I was like, man, I can't sit out two years of football because I redshirted. So that ultimately played a big part for me. And then my sister ended up getting sick. So I wanted to be closer to home. And the year before I got to Baker, they played in the national championship, So I'm like, I'm going to go compete for, you know, national championships, conference titles every year. And that was something that really, you know, triggered me. And I knew I, I I made the coach a deal. I was like, if I get the number one jersey, I'm coming to Baker. If I can't get number one, I'm going to Grandview. And he made sure there was a kid who was coming in who was getting number one. He made sure I got it, went there, and yeah. What's uh, What's the number one? Is there like a significance there for you? Kyler Murray was my favorite player, like – I don't even play quarterback, but I've thrown three touchdowns, so I call myself okay. Kyler Woods all the time. <laughs> I and like that. So you know, I was Kyler Murray was my favorite player, and I liked watching him in high school. And he's only a year older than me, but my best friend played at Oklahoma with him, so I got to see it, you know, up close and personal. And it's just like I was so, you know, into like I'm a big Kyler Murray fan, and that stuck with me for a long time. And number one was it
3: and like back to your like background um i I read you played basketball before football And, and um how did you get into football like i know a lot of athletes growing up they play multiple sports and they kind of just settle on one um how good of a basketball player were you number one and then what kind of made you you know i'm
5: gonna i'm gonna be completely honest i was only on the basketball court because all of my best friends played basketball literally like i wanted to be with my friends all the time so i was like i'm gonna go play basketball and i was on the team and then my high school coach came to me and he was like you're a freaking football player you're not a basketball (laughs) player you're done playing basketball so at that moment i knew my basketball career was over and I kind of trained, I knew, I kind of seen it, you know, my sophomore going to junior year that I could be pretty good at it. Then I was really good at track. So track was one of my, track was my favorite sport at heart, but I just hated running. So it kind of transitioned with track and I was like, okay, this could be something and pay dividends.
1: So I have to ask you, I mean, you playing running back, how do you describe your overall style of, play as a running back and then just as a quick follow-up are there any running backs that are currently in the nfl or that you watch growing up that you've modeled yourself after
5: um so for me it would it's hard because a lot of guys my size like you would think I, i i do a lot of research and guys my size don't run as fast as i do you know especially that play running back so it's like I My favorite running back is Alvin Kamara, so I I like to say I model my game after him a little. Um, I watch a lot of Clyde Edwards-Elair because we're about the same size. Um, he's right down the road. Um, I actually watched turret Cohen. He played with the Bears a little bit, watched him. So it's, you know, I, I try to watch a bunch of guys who are smaller and who, you know, are able to do a lot of different things on the field because I know I'm not six foot like Derrick Henry and those guys. And what was your other question?
1: I mean, you pretty much answered it right, but just I guess I have to ask you this. What exactly did you learn from Tariq Cohen? Watching him all those years on the Bears, because I know Chicago just released him. But like Zach had mentioned on social media that Cohen was always one of his more favorite players to cover. And, you know, every time it seemed like Tariq Cohen would get the ball in his hands, especially in 2018. You know, he was a player you had to game plan for on every play.
5: Yeah, you know, um, for me, it was him being able to play three different positions, three to four. He was able to play slot, running back, punt return and kick return. And I think that was something this year with me that I was able to show, you know, at on on film and on at pro day, you know, being able to go and catch punts and split out wide, catch the ball out of the backfield. Because, like I said, I know I'm not going to touch the ball 15 to 20 times a game. So if I can touch it 10 times a game, catching it, taking a couple carries and ret- with returns, I'm going to make the most of those opportunities and use my speed and be electric with it.
3: Were there? I know you mentioned Alvin Kamara and Clyde Dussolier Cohen. Was there anyone while you were in college that you watched? You know, in the college game, in the college ranks, any favorite players? Maybe from past year or two.
5: The past year or two in college football, I really, 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 really like Travis Etienne a lot. Okay, I like Travis Etienne. Um, Yeah, I watch watch a lot of Travis Etienne, a lot. Um, Man, yeah, him. That's pretty much it. Like, I (laughs) love watching Travis Etienne play. I couldn't say – oh, Cam Akers. He's from Mississippi, and that's where I'm from. So I watched Cam Akers a lot. When he was at Florida State, I watched him. Those two guys I probably watched the most out of anyone. So –
1: I'm going to ask you another one here, but you know, what do you think is going to be a transition or a challenge kind of going from Baker all the way to the NFL? Because you're competing against guys that are going to be bigger, faster, stronger, and obviously some of the players that you're going to be you know, up against did go to bigger programs. So what do you think is going to be a challenge here in this transition?
5: Um, you know, for me, it's... I know that I'm going to have to come in and work for what I want. You know, it's not going to be given to me. Like you said, guys have been at bigger schools. So I think the biggest transition will be the days will be a little longer than what I'm normally used to. But, you know, when you're at that level and you're competing at a high stage, that's how it's supposed to be. You know, you're supposed to be in film for about three hours, learning, taking care of your body. Uh, practicing. So that's probably the biggest thing, you know, the longer days for me, you know, because I've been in college where I have multiple breaks with class and being able to go to my room and nap. And now I have to, you know, be in a playbook a lot longer, which I'm pretty used to. I'm in the coach's office a lot. My coaches have to kick me out and fake like they're going places. But I find my way back in there sometimes so that probably isn't that much of a deal to me you know being at the facility learning so
3: what is your daily routine then you know you mentioned that you're always in the coach's office um but i guess now more so um it's not in season like who are you training with um what are you doing uh what where's kind of your mind at and you know what do you kind of hope to accomplish over the next couple of weeks and months
5: man right now uh so you know pro day was what two weeks ago i guess So now um, I work out with my, my trainer is Josh Davis, um, Jeff Coulter and my receivers coach. Actually, I kept it in the family, you know, I, it was, it was, it was a time to where I wanted to go somewhere else, but I was like, if I could do this with people who, you know, are really close to me and put them in a good position and bring them along this journey, then that would be cool for me. And I, I think we accomplished something really good, obviously, so right now uh, I'm up at about six thirty. We run around. We take forever to stretch. So we'll run. We'll be at the be at the indoor at seven. Um, we'll run around eight o'clock. Get done nine thirty. Usually I'll have. I, usually I'll have a break and go to the chiropractor or get a massage. Um, come back, eat lunch. I have a dog. I just got a dog like six months ago. His name's Dior. So I right. hang out I like with him. It. Then. Um, I eat lunch, go lift again, come back, uh, hang out, do some yoga. I do yoga a lot, and no, I got a, a Norma Tech right here. So I'm really big into taking care of my body. I'm on a meal plan. I eat really healthy. People think I'm weird because I don't like eating all the other greasy <laughs> foods. But, yeah, right now, man, I'm I'm – I'm I would say I'm more, you know, relaxed and blessed to even be in this situation than anything because a lot of NAI guys don't get this opportunity. So for me to be here, it's, you know, a blessing for me and I'm just taking it one day at a time and whatever happens, I'm going to go with it.
3: So you you mentioned the meal plan. Um now I'm kind of curious cuz you said you're from Mississippi uh, and I've had food down in Mississippi. Man, it's really damn good.
5: It's good. I, I mean, how do you do it, man? Like how so, do you it's, it's, not it's, the hard. it's hard so my mom she'll she'll come she'll come home with like catfish and stuff Man. and I'm sitting here like like the other night she came home with catfish and I was sitting there just eating it and I was like I can't eat this I need <laughs> to stop. So it's like right now I'm eating like I had a turkey burger last night like a turkey chili burger okay. with like sweet potato fries and uh, broccoli. Um, I'll have, like, it's, man, it's different. It's a lot different than what my normal breakfast would be. My normal breakfast breakfast is, like, four to five eggs, a protein smoothie with toast. But now it's, like, switched up, so it's a little different. Mississippi food, like you said, it's – it's straight chicken and greens and mac and cheese and stuff like that. So it's, it's different. no,
3: uh, no crawfish
5: boils or anything. Oh, always. Come on. man. Come yeah, I know. Always. Right. right? On, always.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. So you kind of mentioned your coaches and how you are seemingly always in their office. And sometimes they'll just fake things to be like, get out of my office. Cause I have other <laughs> stuff to do, but you know, the relationships that you build with those coaches are so valuable. So is there any coach in college or even going back to high school that's had a major impact on you? Something that you're going to, you know, remember forever, a relationship that's going to last forever?
5: Yeah, um, there, I, I would say there's three. But there, there, obviously my head coach means a lot to me. But I think a guy who, in my both my high school and college head coach, but I think the one who probably I would say means the most right now would be my receivers coach. He actually just took a new job a couple of weeks ago. His name's Bennett white. He's um, from Oklahoma. He um, he took time out of his day the last three to four months, two to three days a week to work on routes with me. You know, he was, he made sure he was, he's carved time out of his day from the team and he would drive up to Lawrence two to three times a week. Um, you know, we've went out to eat a lot. He always calls and checks on me, you know, like I, I told Sam, my agent a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, like there's a point I was doubting myself with football and he had to remind me like, Hey, look, you're the guy, like, don't get discouraged. And that he's a guy who means a lot to me in my life. And, you know, I think I owe him a lot back for that because he's kept me sane and, you know, relaxed throughout this process.
3: And, you know, going back to kind of the running back position, how do you think the positions, you know, changed over the years? Because, you know, growing up, we'd watch these big running backs, Jerome Bettis, guys like that. Now it's like quick, smaller type backs, and they have to have a, a role in the passing game as well. Have you had to adapt or anything like that with your game?
5: Yeah, so at my school, I'm completely honest, we, don't, we didn't need to throw the ball. You know, like, we were just so efficient. We were, like, top four, top five in the nation in total offense. We had really good receivers, so they never asked me to do that. But, obviously, I was able to do it. And to piggyback off what you said, you know, like, that was something that we knew going into this process. Like, hey, look, at Pro Day, they're going to want to see if you can do this, if you can run a wheel route, if you can run an angle. Can you go run a slant out at receiver running out route and stuff. And I was able to show that, you know, with, like I said, guys like Kamara, DeAndre Swift, um, especially Clyde with the Chiefs, he's out and empty a lot running routes. Um, It's, uh, you know, it's all the running backs from that, the last couple of draft classes aren't that big. They're all the tallest ones, maybe Jonathan Taylor in the last two to three classes. So I feel like it's evolving more with, they want scat backs more. And I think that's something that I could bring to the table with the team. So,
1: quick follow up for me. You know, you mentioned the running backs like Kamara, Edwards, Alaire being able to run slant routes, kind of operate from wherever, be scatbacks. backs. Have you watched any wide receivers at all just to get an idea of the nuances of route running?
5: Yeah, all the time. If you look at my YouTube history, all I, it's, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Kamara, and Travis Etienne. I I watch Travis Etienne probably a lot. But, yeah, I I like to watch Tyreek Hill because he's so, you know, with him, he's so fast with how he does everything, and he's able to keep his body under control while still running fast. And I think for a guy who's, you know, fast like that, that's really impressive. And then I watch a lot of Stephon Diggs because he's, you know, he's really good with you know, being aggressive in and out of his routes. Um, Probably another one would be Odell. I watch Odell a lot. I think he – I personally think he runs the best routes in the NFL, but my friends, if they were on this chat right now, they would yell at me. They do not think that. But, yeah, I've been – when I sit in the bed at nighttime, I have music playing and I'm just watching highlights. You know, that's something that I've really been big into the last couple months. Just – Football, football is always on my mind. It's always running like I'll text my agents four or five times before they even respond, you know, just thinking of stuff. So it's been a pretty cool process to just sit there, sit back and be all about football. And I'm enjoying it right now.
3: Who, who have you leaned on in this uh, draft process? Have, have you talked to any current players, former players, maybe teammates, anyone like that?
5: Yeah. So, like I said, my trainer's brother is my best friend and he he's with the Titans. So he's kind of, you know, you know, we uh, he makes sure that my head's right. Uh, And whenever I have a question, I go to him and I'm like, so, you know, how's this work? How's that work? Like when you're in training camp, do you get bullied and stuff? And he kind of just tells me he's like, look, man, he's like, everyone goes through the same process, you know, but it's all about how you come out on top. You know, folk NFLs for the strong-minded people, not the weak-minded people, is what he always tells me. And that's just something that I've been really good with is visualization and keeping my mental right. And yeah, my best friend Imani Bledsoe has been keeping me right lately. And Peter, my best friend Peter, there's three of us who we're always together. Peter Apple's one of them. He he's always telling me right from wrong and how to handle certain situations. So Just some of my friends who, you know, are really good football players and who've been there.
1: All right. So the Bears are a franchise that, as I'm sure, any NFL fan or football person knows they've always had just a rich history of running backs and you know whenever there's a new running back that arrives in town Bears fans seemingly know everything about that specific player before that player even takes the field but what should a passionate fan base like Chicago know about you as a player and as a person
5: as a person I am a stranger things nerd I have all Stranger Things posters. I have a whole leg sleeve dedicated to Stranger Things. Um, I have all the soundtracks in my phone, I, all three seasons. I could probably tell you every song that's coming up next after each other. Um, I could tell you every scene that's going to happen in all the shows. Like, I, I, It's weird, man. I just gravitated to it, and it was something that I really caught a passion for. So that is on off the field. You see me, I got Stranger Things shoes, hoodies, man. It's it's bad. Like, I have a weird fetish for it. So that's probably something that a lot of people should know um, probably. And I'm a really, really big NBA young boy fan. Um, next thing, on the field, I have zero swag is what everyone says. So you won't ever see me. I'm plain as day, man. I wear ankle socks no wrist tape. I'm just playing football and I'm quiet. Like I just smile. I laugh a lot on the football field when I get tackled. So that's something that people should know. The, uh, the pro day um, a couple of weeks
3: ago, 4.3840 official time, I believe it was. Something uh, like
5: that. Yeah. that could
3: wrong. Um, what was that like? And what was kind of the reaction for that? I mean, it's got to, you know, feel pretty good to be out there in front of, NFL scouts doing that.
5: It was cool. You know, <laughs> I was talking to, I was talking to my um, best friend's dad. He played with the Bengals um, a long time ago and he was there with us. You know, I had a, had a big section of family and friends cause you know, we don't get too many people like this in our friend group where we're from to do stuff. So I, I had a big crowd. So we, we were there at KU. If you've ever seen KU, they have their indoor, and then they have like their weight room and stuff. And I was in the weight room alone. So I'm nervous, man. I'm like, I'm like, yo, where's the restroom? So I'll go to the restroom one time and everyone I'm gone for like 10 minutes, 10, 15. I come back. I start stretching again before, you know, all the scouts get there, go to the restroom again. They're like, bro, you got to go again. I'm like, dude, I'm nervous. Like I'm sweating at this, like at this point, I'm sweating. We come back out. I start stretching the trainers. We go through everything. And I think where it really set in for me was when I, after I jumped, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting loose. But then we got to the 40 and I was like, oh, this is not good at all. I was shaking and everything. So my trainer and them were over there like keeping me relaxed, you know, just talking to me. And I felt like I feel like after the I, I ran the first 40 I was like okay and then the next 40 is when I looked back and I seen everyone looking at each other and at the watches and I'm like okay now this is where you know it needs to what I need to turn it up so after I did all of the uh, drills and everything I knew like this is the bar I need to be at you know there's a certain bar that you need to be at to be a professional athlete and I felt like I put myself at that bar to show, you know, I showed teams that, hey, look, I can come out here and compete with some of the best people. And it was a lot of emotions, you know, for me and my friends, just being able to be in that situation in front of, you know, I think there was 18 to 20 teams there. So it was really cool for me and I was just blessed to be there, even in that position.
1: All right. So you know, I mean, I have to ask you this too, right? Just in terms of what role do you kind of see yourself playing at the uh, next level on offense? I mean, it sounds like from everything you've given us, you certainly hope to just be a player that has an impact from day one and can play anywhere on the field.
5: Um, You know, I was, t- I was talking to my agent today. Um, we were talking Christian, not Sam. And um we we're we were just going through stuff. I was like, look, man, I was like, I have it written and my trainers, he has a big board. I said special teams all pro returner. Like I you know, obviously I have to start small with you know getting my foot in the door, but my goal right now is to make a 53 man roster and win the kick return or punt return job. And then hopefully, you know, my the coaches will be able to see my ability abilities to you know, give me quick jet sweeps like Tariq Cohen, obviously, with you guys, um, you know, quick handoffs in the backfield, throw me quick screens at slot receiver. So, you know, wherever I can make my money at on the field and, um, you know, help my team win is what I'm going to do. I'm I'm a big team guy. You know, I pull myself out of games to let my bet. One of my best friends is the backup running back and I'll get us to like the two yard line and I tap. I'm not tired. I just tap out. I was like – my coach is like, why would you come out? I am like, I want my boy to get a touchdown. He was like, are you serious? He's like, you're almost at nine touchdowns. I was like, coach, it's cool. We'll get it, you know. So that's that's the type of person I am. Whatever I could do to help the team. If I need to go down and tackle someone, that's what I'll do. So I'm just willing to win.
3: Uh, my final one for you, um, I- I'm curious about this because I was reading – you uh you organize events around the city of Lawrence. Uh, I believe it's coats for kids, and uh, there's
5: four of them. Kicks for kids and coats and, for kids.
3: Yes, correct. Um, thank you for that. Um, what's that like, Mags? That's awesome. I think that is just awesome. What does that mean to you, and and how important is that for you?
5: For me, it it's you know a blessing. It's really cool to give back to a city who's. Meant so much to me from day one when I moved here. They've had my back, you know, me and my best friend. We uh, we came up with the idea during COVID 2020 and we saw we were seeing how things were shaking out. Parents were losing jobs. Places were closing down. And like I said, I'm from Mississippi, so I didn't have much when I moved to Kansas. And then my house burned down when I got to Kansas. So it's like we went through a lot of stuff. So we I knew what it was like to have family you know, see people go through that. And I thought it would be something really good for us, you know, to go and give a free event, you know, where people don't have to do stuff. And it's been crazy, man. It's been successful both, all four times. And I'm going to try to organize a food drive in the next couple well, – or not a food drive, a little breakfast for people in the next couple of weeks right before the draft. So it's it's something that I can't even explain. And I'm just blessed to even be able to do it.
3: Is there like a, a website or any like anything online people maybe could donate or anything like that?
5: So normally what we do is we create GoFundMe. And um, right when we do it, so we'll create the video and the flyer. The flyers are terrible because we literally get on Microsoft Word and just put pictures of us or something like that. And we put it together and we post it. But it does crazy numbers like everyone from all around the Kansas area. The Rockies have helped. Devontae Graham with the Pelicans has posted yeah. it. So, you know, KU football, basketball, all donate. And we drop the um, GoFundMe page and we make money and we give it to certain boys and girls clubs, workout places in town, or IPS, which is a special needs thing at the high school.
3: Yeah, shoot that over to us, man. We'd love to promote it whenever, whenever you need it.
5: Thank you, guys.
3: All right.
1: So before we get out of here, I mean, where can people just follow you on social media and just keep up with everything that you're doing?
5: Um, my it, this is terrible that I don't know my social medias. My Instagram is Hollywood Woods One. My friends gave me that name. Don't ask why. They said that I don't go out or do anything, so I'm too Hollywood. But I'll, I ran with it. Everyone calls me that. And then my Twitter would be JD Woods underscore seventeen eleven. I don't have Facebook.
3: Awesome, man. Good stuff. Thank you so much for
5: joining us. Thank you guys for having me. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy.
4: What are do it later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes!
0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall
2: guy. That's what the poster said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because
4: nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
2: All right. So that was our interview with J.D. Woods running back out of Baker University. A lot of good stuff in there. And certainly for all of us, both I can speak for Usain and I here at Picks Polls, that we wish nothing but the best for J.D. Woods and this upcoming draft cycle, as well as his NFL future going on into the future, wishing nothing for the best there. So that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks Polls podcast. Uh, make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on all podcasting platforms. And make sure to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at Pixar Polls. Um, make sure to tune in there as we get closer and closer to the drafts. We probably have one more mock draft coming up um, as we get closer to the NFL draft, as well as just breaking down prospects in general. Again, uh, all that information out, definitely check us out there. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at freeman 25 um, You know, I have a lot coming up here in terms of you know getting to the draft. You know, I have some prospect uh, scouting reports coming up, wrapping up some of the Bears free agency things going on. And make sure to check out the Bear Report on YouTube as well. Uh, Zach and I, publisher at the Bearport, are going uh, to be doing some film reviews of, you know, not only some guys the Bears have signed a free agency, uh, we just did one, our, our first one on Byron Pringle uh, this last week, which you can go check out on the Bearport YouTube channel. But uh, we have Lucas Patrick coming up next, I believe, um, center who the Bears signed from Green Bay. And then once we get to the draft, we're going to uh, try to do – these film reviews live, so if you're into film breakdowns, uh, make sure to check those out. We can go over that together um, on our YouTube channel, but make sure to subscribe to the Bearport on YouTube. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, again, once again, you can follow me on Twitter as well at AJFreeman25, at AJ and, you know, for all our Bears fans out there, it's been, you know, a fun month in the month of March, but we're on to April now. It is full-on draft season right here, um, and I know we are really excited for that, so uh, to all of our Bears fans out there, uh, have a great start to April and have yourselves a fun and safe weekend. Uh, we'll be talking to you guys next week. Bear Down, Bears fans.